our scripture reading for tonight comes from Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you? I lost my place. <laughs> Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last breath. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this Sight saw what took place. They beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Thank you, Faith. Well, good evening, everyone. My name is Matt Doherty, and I'm the director of student ministries here at WCPC, and I have the honor of offering a extended reflection on this passage. And so, if you've been with us at all throughout Holy Week, we've been asking the question, who is Jesus? 
And tonight, we're going to be looking at Jesus, the suffering servant. But to do that, I want to tell you a bit of a story that was kind of a weird situation I was in once. I used to work in the Santa Cruz Mountains at a place called Mount Hermon. It's a conference center, and so there's a lot of rooms, a lot of spaces to meet. And I was walking around one day, and one of the conference room doors was open. So as I was walking by, I peeked my head in to see, oh, who's having a meeting? But there was no one in the room. So I looked around again, and I didn't see anything, but I heard a bit of a, a tapping in the room, and I couldn't tell where it was coming from. So I looked even harder, and I was surprised to see that there was this bird that had been trapped inside the room. It was in the back corner next to these two large windows that looked like they were outside, and so you could tell why the bird was stuck. And I looked around again, thinking, is anyone else here to help this bird? But I was completely alone. And so the only thing I could describe was this compassionate instinct that started to well up within me that I needed to help this bird. I feel like this bird and I were equally terrified about what was happening. It was about to be captured, and I was freaking out like you would expect, but I actually learned something here about catching birds. I didn't want to crush this poor animal, so I couldn't squeeze too tightly as I tried to catch it, but if I held it too loosely, it would just fly away and jump out of my hands. So to actually help this bird, I needed to find the right balance of a tender grasp and a firm grip. And I'd like to think that the Jesus of Good Friday holds us in this same way. We are held tenderly and yet firmly in his grasp. The tender love of a Savior dying for us grasps us with compassion. And yet its firm grip reminds us of our own role in this whole ordeal. And much like that bird, we are no longer trapped, but released from our captivity through the freeing love of a Christ who saves us. And it's the Jesus of Good Friday, the Jesus of the cross, who holds us with this same firm tenderness. It's a gripping, compelling moment, one upon which even the whole history of humans turns. It's a moment of compassion that doesn't look like any other form of compassion that we've seen before. So why does this hit us so deeply? How is it that we can be so emotionally connected to the cross? And in some cases, giving our whole lives to what happens on Good Friday. Now I'm going to contend with you this evening that we become so compelled by the cross because on it we see a God who suffers. We live in a world marked by suffering. We see it almost every week. New things happening globally, locally, in our own communities, neighborhoods, or even families. And on Good Friday, we see a picture of ultimate suffering. We even see death. And yet, we know that this is a moment of triumph that can look like no other. But we have a problem. It actually is easy 
to believe that Jesus dies. We don't see him here anymore. But as Christians, we also believe that this Jesus is God. And so what does it mean to see and believe in this Jesus, the Jesus of the cross, and to believe in him as God? It's to look upon a crucified Savior and say right with those who were there, surely he was the Son of God. And so to do this, to attend to this properly, we have to ask the question, is God capable of suffering? Now, in a traditional sense, you can see divine suffering in one of two ways. Either God is fully immune to suffering, or God is completely powerless in the face of it. God is either an immovable statue, unaffected by all that happens within the world, or God is, as Katy Perry might put it, a plastic bag drifting through the wind. But this dualism isn't the only way to see this picture. It's not the only way to consider the question of divine suffering. There's a theologian named Jürgen Moltmann who wrote a ton on this topic, but he's got this small book called Jesus Christ for Today's World. And he has this to say. He says, there is another third form of suffering too. It's active suffering. It's the willingness to open oneself to be touched, moved, affected by something other than oneself. And that means the suffering of passionate love. And so as we think about it, it's this active suffering that is God's self-giving love on Good Friday. Moltmann continues on in an extended quote. He says, If God were in every respect incapable of suffering, he would also be incapable of love. If God is capable of loving something other than himself, then he opens himself up for the suffering which love for others brings him. God does not suffer out of deficiency of being like created beings, but he does suffer from his love. And in this sense, he can suffer. And so we may not be able to understand how it all works or even what it all means, but I'm convinced that it's important for us to believe that God experiences some form of suffering through the death of his son Jesus on the cross. Because what does this tell us about God? Through that, we learn that God is not an unaffected statue, but a fully engaged lover of all that has been created. And if we are to believe that God suffers actively as seen in Jesus of the cross, we need to follow up with another question. Why does God suffer? And to answer this, I want to turn somewhere that might seem a little unexpected. Uh, these answers, these categories, come from an Old Testament theology book called The Suffering of God by a man named Terence Fretheim. By searching through the whole Old Testament from front to back, he came up with three categories to talk about the question of why God suffers. And if you look at them with a clear enough mind, you might see what the Old Testament is pointing to here. 
The first category, he says, is God suffers because. God suffers because of the people's rejection of God as Lord. The whole history of Israel is one of wrestling with God. And throughout the Old Testament, God shows love for the people, and God is rejected. And God is not unaffected by this. But instead, God weeps, God mourns, and God suffers. So God suffers because of the people's rejection of God as Lord. Another category is God suffers with. God suffers with the people who are suffering. God suffers with the people who are suffering. So when Israel is conquered by another nation or taken over in different ways, that hurts God. God tells stories through the prophets of his own weeping in these moments. God is suffering with the people of Israel. And lastly, God suffers for the people. God, in places, takes the place of the people whom were rejecting him in the first place. And so with these three points kind of sitting in the room with us, they become good news for us at different points in different times of our lives. They're what we might need to hear through different experiences. There are some times where we need to know that God suffers because of the decisions and the choices that we make when we reject God in those ways. There are times we need to hear that amidst our own suffering, our own grief, that God suffers right with us, that God has experienced it too. And there's other times where we need to hear that God suffers for us, that God takes our place. And so today you may be encouraged by one or even all of these points, that God suffers because, God suffers with, God suffers for. Now I'm going to close my reflection here by returning to our first kind of question from this evening. Why is this so compelling? Why does the death of a suffering servant, the death of this Jesus, the Jesus of the cross, why does this draw us to faith? Now there's not many things that get me to cry. I'm not a big like machismo person. It just, uh, we're, our family might be too Irish and so we don't express ourselves in that way too often. But there's one thing that will almost always make me cry and that is a good movie. There's something special about stories being told through movies that can move us emotionally. So I have a picture from one movie you might recognize. And it's the movie Armageddon. And if you've seen the movie Armageddon, if you haven't, uh, Statue of Limitations is out at this point. But if you've seen the movie Armageddon, it's the story of the world coming to an end because of an asteroid. And we see Bruce Willis here as one who's supposed to kind of help solve the problem. But at one of the final moments, they realize they aren't going to be able to accomplish it the way they had first planned it. They needed someone to stay and to offer themselves for the sake of the team and the sake of the world. 
And so Bruce Willis, he sacrifices his life at the end of Armageddon so that everyone else may live. And if you haven't seen Armageddon or that's a little past your generation, there's another movie. It's from Inside Out, a Pixar movie. And if you haven't seen it, this is Bing Bong, the imaginary friend of the young protagonist of the movie who's in this pit of being forgotten. And one of the main characters is stuck in this pit with Bing Bong and they can't get out unless they ride this one cart coaster sort of thing. And so Bing Bong and the main character Joy hop in the cart and they start flying up out of the pit, out of the pit of forgottenness. But they realize they're not going to make it. And so Bing Bong, without Joy knowing, hops off the back, leaves free weight for Joy to make it out of the pit. And you see Bing Bong slowly fading out, being forgotten forever. He sacrifices himself to save Joy. Now in both of these movies, although they're so different, these characters have that similarity where they are giving their lives for the sake of others. They're movies of self-sacrifice. And these are compelling. They're compelling to us, and I would even say to all people on a deep and emotional level. They grip us in ways that are hard to describe. In the movies, they're absolutely awful moments, but at the same time, they're beautiful and they bring us to tears. And this isn't just a picture from a movie. This is a picture of the cross. A picture of a God who isn't unaffected by the pain of the world. A God who isn't unaffected by your own pain. This is a picture of a God who enters into that pain, takes it all upon God's self, and becomes a sacrifice for all that has been created. And so Jesus, our God of the cross, suffers and dies because of a fractured relationship between humanity and himself. And Jesus, our God of the cross, suffers and dies with all of those who have suffered at the hands of oppression and sin. And Jesus, our God of the cross, suffers and dies ultimately for you. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for this evening that we're able to be together and to consider this day of Holy Week this Good Friday. God, we thank you that we get to consider your son, Jesus, to consider yourself, to consider the ways that you enter into our world and allow yourself to be affected by it. God, would the feelings of this day, the ways that we're gripped both tenderly and firmly, be something that motivates us to consider you. God, to consider your love for us to consider your willingness to suffer and to die for us. God, we give you our hearts. God, we give you our confusion, our pain, all of the things that you too have experienced. 
but ultimately, God, we just thank you for who you are, and we thank you that you love us, and it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.